Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host. Today's guest, I got to meet down at Summerstrong. Not surprising, seeing how that's the last like half dozen of these episodes. But that was one of the reasons I went to Summerstrong, so I could meet rad people and then talk to them. Uh, today on the podcast is Jamie Shira. Uh, Jamie was one of the guys that was a part of the little covert BJJ session down at Summerstrong. He was actually the one that supplied the mats for us to go get cooked on in the uh, you know 96 degree South Carolina heat or whatever it was. Um, but he is a very rad dude. Uh, we got to talking a little bit. We were down there and we've stayed in touch since. He is a very, very busy man, has several different businesses. He's in the restaurant business and there's, you know, a, a half a dozen or so restaurants that uh, his company owns and is in the process of opening up a couple of more. So he's really involved in business and marketing, and he's also put together a nonprofit called the Hunter Recruitment Project, uh, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him today. It's really awesome organization that takes people who are brand new to hunting or uh, or maybe revisiting hunting and then matching them up with mentors to guide them through the proper ways uh, to go about the hunting lifestyle, whether it's all of the the prep work the you know, the things that you wouldn't think about with like gear and camping and then obviously the, the shooting and the, how to shoot a gun and how to shoot a bow and how to clean it and all this stuff. We talk about all this, but it's a fantastic, fantastic mission and an awesome project. And we had a really good conversation about it, went several different directions. It actually ended up being a pretty motivational conversation, which I think you guys will find a lot of really good takeaways from the conversation. Uh, some things that you'll be able to apply to your life and some different ways that you can go about looking at how you set goals and how you set up your time to get work done. Um, and you know, he is an extremely busy guy. He's doing a thousand things at once. And so being able to be 
effective with time management and and still be productive uh, is a skill. And so we talk a little bit about that as well. And then we spend a good part of the first chunk talking about jujitsu and and how really important it has become in both of our lives and the parallels just in in normal life stuff in jujitsu. It's it's kind of amazing. So it was a really fun conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Go check Jamie's stuff out uh, at Hunter Recruitment Project. Just search him on the Instagrams. He said the website will be up soon, but you're really going to enjoy this one. So here is my conversation with Jamie Shira. All right, Nomad Strength Show here with Jamie Shira. What is up, my friend? What's up, dude? How's it going? How are you doing? Well, it's Friday, and uh, you know we made it through another week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'm in the restaurant business primarily, so mm. last couple months have been quite an adventure. Um, last it's funny. Last Eighteen months have been yeah. Quite yeah. An adventure. Well, <laughs> well, you know there were six months where we were just closed, and that right. was like, oh, okay. Well, we'll just work on other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's funny. I I think I said. Like last week, the first time I heard it, I said TGIF to Amanda, my fiance, and she goes, "The grind includes Friday." And I was like, "Yeah, it, it surely does." Sure, but yes. No, nah, man, we're just dodging rainstorms here. Y'all are having our weather, and we're having your weather. Um, yeah, seriously, it is nuts. We're—I mean, we get—we're getting two or three showers a day, really, for the last like week to two weeks uh like two weeks to three weeks almost now um so yeah it's and it's like you know 85 83 you know and normally it's 100 like yeah, it is dude. for you guys y'all we are getting had, we haven't had any pummeled. rain for two months it's been like yeah. it's living on the surface of the sun for the last six weeks it's been yeah ridiculous. y'all are getting baked yeah for sure um speaking of getting and, and this is actually a different way of what's <laughs> actually going to take it a different direction. Okay, right. Not the way everybody's going to say, but getting baked, not what I was going to lead it into with. Uh, but we met down at Summerstrong and uh, we, you and I were a part of the small little covert operation that did some uh, jujitsu down there. Uh, Absolutely. And so when I was saying getting baked, I was literally <laughs> referring to like getting oh, cooked yeah. by the sun on oh, those yeah. mats in the South Carolina heat. But uh, that was a pretty rad, like little breakaway from everything going on. That was kind of a cool little thing that we put together. You, the one that brought the mats, and it was kind of a special little thing that nobody was really expecting. I think, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and it was like being on a baking sheet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like. I have my little whoop armband on, and yep. I mean, we were out there for. I don't know, maybe Not two hours long. total. Yeah, two hours total. Yeah, uh, and obviously there was only one group rolling at a time. I, mm-hmm. I brought, for those listening, I brought four or six pieces of puzzle mat. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I didn't know this, but they just handed me some at the gym. You need nine to make a square. Um, <laughs> I mean, I figured that out as I was driving. I was like, wait a second. I started counting in my head. But um, <laughs> yeah. so we had a long rectangle that we could roll on. Um, but no, I, I took my little armband off to get in the shower that night and it was like i mean i was sunburned i could not believe how quickly (laughs) that happened i mean i'm outside all the time i was like man yeah it Um, was like rolling in a cast iron skillet when you're on that it really was i mean i think we were doing four minute rounds yeah something like that roasted but that was really awesome um i uh been doing jujitsu for about five years now and awesome um Brandon Lilly mm-hmm. has gotten into it in the last couple of years. And, and I think, you know, 
like I hope I had something to do with that. I hope yeah. I had something to do with with him getting in, into it, and so being able to roll with him and see, just watching him via social media and his progression, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, if he does anything, it's one hundred and ten percent. So, like in one year, I mean, the amount of growth and and development he's had in that sport, and then I mean, you'd only been rolling for how long? Uh, since the end of February, so yeah, like five ish months. And I was gonna say too, he had a major impact on me starting. So by right. by transitive property, I have you to thank for Hell yeah. getting that's me awesome. into it too. <laughs> and um, that's incredible to hear. I, I, I wasn't aware. Well, I, I mean, I'll say this, you know, any of your people listening uh, or anyone listening, uh, thinking about joining your tribe, um, you, with the limited experience that you have, your strength in flexibility and in, um, in lengthening, you know, mm-hmm. when you're stretched out, still having a tremendous amount of your, your normal strength, I was blown mm-hmm. away. I was like, I mean, I'm probably, I mean, how tall are you? Like five ten on a good yeah, day so if I'm, I'm standing seven, tall. Yeah. Yeah. Six or seven inches taller than you. And yep. I was like, man, I cannot get around this dude. And I kept trying <laughs> to stretch you out and, and cause you, you were on top a lot and I kept trying to yep. stretch you out and, and you would just somehow, even at full, like, full lengthing you were still stronger than i was i was like damn that sucks well and that's kind of the thing that brandon and i talk about a lot too it's how much of it we go into trying to rely just on like the strength oh yeah we've built up over you know for for me 15 years of lifting weights Mm -hmm. and and trying to go into it with knowing that that's one of my strengths but not trying to rely on that yep. and actually learning the leverage and the technique and stuff mm-hmm. because uh like i think i mentioned when we were there a lot of the guys that i roll with here at home are all like brandon size or just a little bit smaller like there's uh, a lot of big guys that go to the class yeah. that i go so and then like you're a tall big dude and so like when and when bo was there bo's like one of the first guys i got to roll with that's like remotely kind of my size and it's kind of crazy when you're like, oh, this some of this stuff actually does work. I'm not just yeah, yeah. scrambling for my life on these big dudes. But 100%. going against even smaller people, too, because there's a lot of um, upper belt women that go to my gym that I roll with pretty frequently, too, that, I mean, just the leverage piece of it and knowing the angles and doesn't matter Absolutely. how strong you are. 100%. Well, you I mean, know, that's you, why it that's was created, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. jiu-jitsu was created to allow the small man to beat the big guy. Um, yep. And if you learn to use your bone structure and you learn to use angles and you learn to use leverage and you learn how to catch arms and legs in mm-hmm. positions they shouldn't be, that's mm-hmm. when you start really putting together and stringing together a lot of potential attacks back to back to back. You know, you put somebody in a dangerous position, they extend an arm, all of a sudden you've got a wrist or an arm, then they're trying to pull that out. They're putting themselves in another bad position, you're on that. And yep. and it's basically just a constant attempt at attacks. Um, but no, Bo, that was, so I've known Bo now for about two years mm-hmm. um and it was awesome to get to roll with him i mean the yeah. people that he's rolling with on a daily basis for, and just seriously. that like you know I, we've talked about it um you know at, at length and i'm always you know on social media chirping back and forth at him <laughs> it was really cool to get to roll with him um the guy is is no joke um yeah and for and, those uh, that don't i mentioned him before but bo sandoval yeah. is the head of strength conditioning at the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas. And so he's literally <laughs> like working with the top fighters in the world oh, yeah. every single day. Uh, and so, yeah, when, when Jamie talks about like he's rolling with the real the real ones, like he comes yep. in and we're like, okay, we got it. We got Bo coming up now. So it was fun though, man. 
Yeah, I am. Um, you know, how I got into jujitsu was um, a guy by the name of GW who worked with me at Killcliffe, um, mm-hmm. which you may have heard of that, mm-hmm. that beverage. Um, and he is first degree or second degree black belt. I'm not sure now. Um, but he is about my same size and height. And to go back to your point earlier, you know, before I did jujitsu, I did, so played sports all through high school, mm-hmm. went to college, got fat and out of shape, didn't do anything. Like I was, what's funny is I was only about 10 pounds heavier than I am now, but I probably had 15 pounds less muscle. Yeah. So it was all fat. And, yep. um, so I got it, you know, after three or four years after college, I got serious about health and wellness and started doing CrossFit and really pushing myself in that. Killcliffe was big in the CrossFit space, you know, still is. But mm-hmm. um, that was, I mean, I was going to, all, you know, L.A. to the games every year for a couple of years. And uh, GW working with me was jujitsu guy. Um, I just got kind of burned out on CrossFit. Um, just, I don't know, I kept getting all these little weird shoulder problems that I've, I've separated both ACs mm-hmm. a couple times playing football and knees. Um, it wasn't, you know, and, and look, it, there's, there's going to be people on every side of it, but for me personally, it was really bad, uh, for me. And you yeah, know, maybe that's probably because of my ego in there trying to lift more <laughs> than I should have and not having proper form, but I, but I've done Olympic lifts since high school, um, right. since middle school. So our, our middle school and high school weight programming was, far advanced outside of anything yeah. else for a very small uh school that i went to so it's i mean i i knew the lifts i was doing just was always getting just everything tweaked now sure that's not to say that it, you don't get something tweaked almost every jiu-jitsu class <laughs> right. but it's usually fingers it's not like right. major joints right it's right. not like oh i can't walk today it's like right i'm breaking fingers but um exactly but but to your point when i started um i was i mean i was a pretty strong guy um mm-hmm. And GW pulled me aside after probably about a year and a half and said, you know, hey, man, um, you know, you get after it every day when you come in here. You're working really hard, but I can see frustration and it's because you're not really progressing, you know, the last six or seven months. And all of your classmates who are actually smaller and and weaker than you or, you know, equally as strong but smaller than you who you should be dominating um, are surpassing you and they're better than you. Um, And I was like... Okay, thanks. Yes, I am mad <laughs> Is this at that. supposed to be a pep talk yeah. or what? Yeah. And uh, he said, well, you know, your biggest issue, and it's always going to be your biggest issue in just jiu-jitsu until you figure it out, is you're using strength and you're not yeah. using technique. And sure, you know, if you're just bigger and stronger, like, you know, tremendously bigger and stronger, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know a lot of jiu-jitsu, you're probably, you know, especially against a beginner, you know, white belt and, sure. and even early blue belts, you're going to you're gonna win. And... Um, that conversation really changed everything for me. And of course, I'm, I like to take things to extreme. So I just quit lifting weights completely for like three or four years and was just doing jujitsu and running. Um, yeah. I did a couple like triathlons, sprint triathlons and stuff like that. So bike, swim, run, you know, super mm-hmm. cardio stuff, which is also tremendously uh, powerful in jujitsu. Um, mm-hmm. The fastest way to make a very strong man weak is to burn him out and uh, yeah. just run around circles. And then all of a sudden he can't do anything and, yep. and uh, you can, you can take over. But um, I, I think we talked about it. Um, you know, Brandon has been doing um, programming for me for, for the last 
six or seven weeks now. Um, yeah. And, you know, every time I look at the workouts, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that doesn't look too bad. And <laughs> it's always you so get deceiving. It. Holy smokes. Well, you know, the, the first ones weren't bad because he wanted to just get me acclimated because literally I'm, when I say I haven't left a weight, it's like yeah. I did some deadlifts at right. the beginning of this year. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, mostly just cardio and, and a little kettlebell work and stuff like that. But sure. so, you know, that's all I'm doing now is this kettlebell work. And then I get, you know, I'm, I'm getting stronger, getting stronger, feeling good about it. And then I get my workout this week and I look at it in the first one. I'm like, you know, that's nothing. It's way less work. Uh, it right. seems, but it's got every rep has these like two, 1000 pauses, yep. three, 1000 pauses. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, it can't be that big of a deal. Let me tell you what, I, I mean, I couldn't hardly walk yesterday just from doing eight <laughs> kettlebell, you know, goblet squats with 3,000 yeah, second pauses at the bottom. Holy smokes. And what's crazy is I don't even, I, I wasn't even feeling like that tired. Yeah. But then you go to walk afterwards, you start getting that like shock cramp all throughout yeah. your legs. Every time your foot hits the ground, I'm like, okay, well, we're doing something here. Something's working. That's awesome. Um, the, but uh, yeah, I, I really, I really, um, you know, I, I really think that, you know, the importance of jujitsu is there's there's multifaceted stories there is that, you know, kind of a lot of parallels with life. You know, you can't, you got to be well-rounded. You got to focus on, um, God, there was a, it was like, if you, if you spend too much time learning the tricks of the trade, but you don't actually learn don't the trade. Don't learn the trade. Yeah. yeah. You, you failed. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of like the story here is like, yeah. Yes, you have to be good at jujitsu, but you also have to kind of well round yourself out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a big approach that you take uh, yeah. to, to how you do things. And, and, and same for me. Um, I think a lot of it starts in the head and then kind of work out from there. But it's it's kind of funny because in the in the jujitsu realm specifically, I was just having this conversation with one of my training partners and uh he teaches some of the classes there he just got his brown belt about a month or so ago and uh i was just telling him i was like because he was asking how i was doing and you know what i'm working on and that kind of stuff and i told him i was like i never know like what to say when you ask what i'm working on because everything (laughs) like there's nothing specific i'm not to a point where it's like hey i need to work on this one thing i need to work on everything but uh the the piece that i think has from my experience of training and doing all the things that I've done for the last decade plus now, the thing that's mattered the most and made the biggest impact on me as, as I'm learning all of this stuff is the breathing. And cause I've spent so much time doing breath work stuff. And it's funny because mm-hmm. like, you know, like I said, I'm only a handful of months into this. And so there's a couple of things that like right just now I feel like I'm doing on purpose Yep. You know, rather than they're just like happy accidents. Like I'm actually, there's sure. one or two things where I'm like, okay, I can set this up from here. I, I recognize this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are absolutely situations and it always comes. And it's always so funny because uh, we get a lot of guys that used to be, uh, and I'm sure it's everywhere, but in, in Idaho, wrestling is really big. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get a lot of guys that used to be high school wrestlers, oh, college yeah. wrestlers. And you can always tell when somebody is, even if they don't tell you, right? Absolutely. Because first of all, they kind of look like it, right? Like, yeah. like those guys kind of have the wrestler look, but then they come in and they're just like ape breathing through their mouth like a monkey. And they're just like, <gasps> and they're like going all oh, yeah. after you like that. And, and I can sit back and do some nasal breathing, take like deep breaths and sit there and recognize and move around and, and work on what I know. But 
two minutes in, they're toast. Yep. So, like, if they don't have what they're going in that first two minutes, you know, if they're gassed, like you said earlier, the, the best way to make somebody strong and, and fast, really weak and slow is to get them tired. And, mm-hmm. like, that breathing part of it has, like, been the one thing that, like, I can point to that and be like, that's maybe why I can understand a little bit of thing because I'm not panicked when yep. I'm in a rolling situation, like I'm, that breathing really does matter in, in calming you and allowing you to think through things, even in a hectic situation yep. like that. You're you absolutely right. And that's one of the first, you know, I'm not a coach or anything, but mm-hmm. I had the same problem. And, and, you know, every new white belt, they start and they're just, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then 45 seconds later, like they are just dead on the mat. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I every time I roll with new people, a lot of times what I'm doing is just restricting their movement, yep, and just kind of holding them still, holding them in position, and watching them, letting them struggle a little bit, and letting yep. them try to find like a little area. But I mean, every time they are just breathing like like yeah. a Tasmanian devil, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey man, like control your breath, control your breath, control your breath, in deep, out deep, in deep, out deep. Specifically. When you're on the bottom and somebody's on top of you smashing you and they've got a hip yeah, in your man. sternum and you can't breathe, like you have to rem- just stop everything, take and use your use your use your diaphragm to hold people off of you while you're yep. still breathing, and it's it's pretty tough. Um, it's funny you say that because about breathing and then not really knowing what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, after that conversation with GW, um, I. I kind of made a promise to myself that I was going to, you know, really actually start studying. So there's mm. a million different resources out there. Sure, YouTube yeah. being the first easiest free one. There are books there are, and now, you know, with BJJ fanatics, there's every high level, you know, grapplers putting out, you know, their style. Yep. Um, and so you kind of find something that you, you like that feels good and you just kind of dive into that. What I was doing wrong was that I was studying individual moves mm. and I was studying individual moves before every class, something new, right? And so yeah. I was drinking through a fire hose, but I wasn't retaining any of the water, right? right? I wasn't actually understanding the system behind why you do certain things and how you maintain position and control and grips and all that. You know, you're just trying to like jump into these moves. One, as a white belt, that's how you normally injure other people yeah. um, is by just like, you know, we like, flying I guess one around. of our, instru- I guess one of our instructors taught like a flying knee cut pass like <laughs> a month ago. And I was not, I, came to, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. at that class, but I came the next day and all Everyone's of a sudden all these knees are, <laughs> knees are flying past me. I'm like, I'm like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, all right, now we're going to get serious. But, um, but no, like, and so I went six months through just trying to learn all the stuff. And, you know, of course, you know, you, you can learn some of it, but you just can't, yeah. you can't apply all of that information, yeah. especially when you're rolling three, four or five times a day and you're trying to learn something new for that every day and have a full-time job and everything else going on in your life. And, um, and I finally got really frustrated with it and I, st- I could naturally do decently well with a De La Hiva guard, and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean to people that don't know what that means, but it's a guard to keep people off of you. And mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I said, why don't I take this section of ju- of my jujitsu that I can actually do something with and then just learn in concentric circles, right? Yeah. So start super small, like what grips mean what? 
and yeah. how do you change grips? Okay, now let's learn one sweep. Okay, now let's really master that sweep. And what I started doing was each week I would learn one move instead of a series of moves. So what I was trying right. to do earlier was go from like, you know, one position all the way through another position into a submission, which is it could be 30 or 40 steps. Yeah. Totally. Obviously you're obviously. And the problem with jujitsu is you miss one hand placement and the whole thing unravels, especially if you're rolling against somebody that knows what they're doing. And then you, yep. you know, then you're all frustrated. So, um, I, I think that that kind of translates again, you know, Jocko says, you know, jujitsu is life. And that sounds on the surface kind of corny. Um, but if you really look at the parallels to life, like, it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. And so taking those concentric circles and, you know, starting with something that you can control and that you are good with and mastering that and then moving on to something else over and over and over and over. And then all of a sudden you start chaining moves together. You start chaining guards together. You know, you start working on your stand up and you start working on your top position. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm actually doing jujitsu. I'm not just trying to grab an arm bar every time I see something. You know? Right. It's actually playing the game yeah. of it. The game. Understanding right. the dance. Understand doing yeah, the dance. exactly. And understanding, like you said, the different avenues and recognizing patterns. And it's, just, I mean, yeah. all of it just comes with obviously time on the map. But yep. like you said, if you're, it, it's focused time. Right? right, because uh, everybody knows the the ten thousand hours number, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, Logan Gelbrick, who runs Deuce Gym out in Venice, California, uh, he has a saying where he says it's actually it's not ten thousand hours; it's ten thousand deliberate hours. Hours, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where you know it's it does it, you know if it's just ten thousand hours of you haphazardly doing stuff like you were saying you were mm -hmm. doing before. Where I'm just trying to do everything under the sun. There's no structure to it. There's no practice yep. application in it then it's it, it's just wasted time essentially like you might get a you know a minuscule amount better just by doing something and you happen to recognize a pattern but right. when you're practicing and making it purposeful understanding what it is you're doing and taking the time looking at how things are set up like you said i mean the parallels for for life in general following that same protocol i mean that's how you get better in anything you don't yep. you don't just do something with no plan and yeah. <laughs> become great at it, you know. If you do, you got really lucky. Yes, well, you know, practice doesn't make perfect, right? Perfect right. practice makes perfect. Perfect practice and, does. And exactly. being, you know, doing the exact same rep over and over and over. Um, but no, I, I think that uh, I, I love I love that analogy. I mean, because it's again, you can and and I've done it and I still do it. You know, even in life, you know, with a project or something. You've, you have to take time to sit down and take full attention and focus with what you're working on to actually understand all the the minutiae around the details to really get dialed in yeah. on what you're trying to get done. And, and we have a saying in our businesses is, you know, uh, make your plan and then work your plan. You know, I mean, people, it seems that what I've seen is that people that are really good at action mm -hmm. are really bad at planning. And people yes. that are really good at planning are really bad at action. Uh -huh. uh, and my brother and I are kind of the dichotomy of that. He's an action guy. I mean, he is just like dialed in and he yeah. just goes, 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 goes. And I'm always like, Hey man, hold on. Stop. Like, think about this. Like, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm the opposite where I'm like almost get paralysis by analysis sometimes where I'm just trying yeah. to think of every possible situation. And he's like, 
I mean, it doesn't matter. Just do it. You know, yep. just get it done. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, and um, obviously I've gotten a lot better at, at the action. He's gotten a lot better at the planning. Um, and uh, But that's it, important it, it to really, have that type of relationship when you're like when you're business partners, right? Because you need that di- the, each of those perspectives. And, it's, it, and a lot of times when when, uh, when people start businesses and they're doing it themselves, right, and you have to do everything – it's mm-hmm. you have to end up doing a lot of things that you're not good at or don't like yep. to do because there's no one else. But if you have a partner or, you know, somebody that you're in business with or not even business, but just in anything where you can yep. have that feedback that gives you that that puzzle matching like perspective to what you don't do well and what they don't do well. But you you compliment. Right. That what your energy 100 percent makes right. it a massive difference. So, yeah, people always say, you know, don't go into business with your family. It'll explode. Well, you know, it may explode one day, um, but he and I work incredibly well together, yeah. uh, partly because we're four years apart, but we're pretty close our whole lives, lived mm-hmm. together a majority of our lives until he got married and I have a fiance. And mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he is a really big numbers guy. And I'm a really big, not really big, but I'm more of the creative marketing, you know, kind of people person right and he's a he's a he's i've never he can talk to a wall so it's not that he's he's not a people person but it's just like it's just crazy how we're you know we're so similar in the in like if you gave us a problem to solve we would come up with the exact same solution it's just the way that we go about it is it's kind of wild and so you know our meetings have been known to get spirited um (laughs) yeah we uh you know and and but but i think that's what's I think, unfortunately, that's what's missing in a lot of today's societies and organizations and groups is people will not stand up for what they believe in or they won't argue their point because they're so scared to, you know, maybe hurt someone's feelings or whatever. And obviously, we're not doing this with the desire to hurt anyone's feelings. But, you know, if there's something that you have done your research on and you believe in and you think it's the right thing. Even if it's not, you at least have to stand up and say, you know, hey, these are my points. This mm-hmm. is my why. This is how I came to it. Y'all take the information and let's make a decision. You know, and then and another thing is we have a, you know, we have a bond in our in our organization that once the decision's made, everyone's behind it. There's no, well, it's not my plan, so you know, I'm not, I'm going to give a half-ass effort. Like that's, right. you will get removed very quickly for we call it being an anchor. Um, yeah. If you've ever if you've ever paddled in a canoe. Right. If everybody's in unison in the same direction, you just kind of you're really just moving your arms. It's not like you're like, you know, trying to really stroke unless unless you're trying to like change position. But if you're just gliding along, but you take one person that just, you know, sticks three fingers in the water. Yep. I mean, all of a sudden that canoe starts veering. I mean, it's like it blows everything off and um, off course. And and that's, you know, we use all these like kind of outdoor and uh fitness analogies and stuff with our teams because that's what we've known he played football Mm -hmm. at university of georgia and um so we you know that's kind of what we live for 18 to 24 years of our life um but yeah it's uh it definitely it definitely makes a difference when you can actually take the time to plan your work work your plan yeah and and a lot you know you're saying those purposeful hours Part of that is, or uh, to me, a big part of that is taking time for your after action report to to actually understand what worked and what didn't. I yes. see people all the times that have this plan and they go after it and they're working like hell and they made a good plan, but it's just not working. 
And yeah. instead of taking a step back and going, hey, like what we're doing isn't working, let's because because they have this another problem that you see in a lot of organizations, pride of authorship, mm. where it's like, well, it's my plan. I came up with it, so I got to make right. it work. It's like, that's stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. we need to be in an idea meritocracy where, like, the best idea and the best plan wins, not the person with the loudest voice, right? And so yes. if your plan sucks, own it and say, well, that didn't work. Let's try again. You know, we like to, we like to say fail fast, you know, fail forward. Mm-hmm. If it's not going to work, let's figure it out very quickly so then we can turn around and go do the next thing. Um, but that's yeah. gonna. That's a lot of inner work that a lot of people aren't ready to do yet to get to that point to to be okay for with sure. their things not being the thing, you know. Yep. And oh yeah, we, we have a. I was working with a business coach a couple of years back, and to to the point you're making earlier about like the the action people versus the planner people, I tend to fall more towards the just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. type thing because a lot of it like I said you know right now um, you know I've got uh, my friend that uh, produces this show which is okay. a massive help to me so I, that's one yep. thing like I don't have to do but like in terms of the coaching and everything else like I do all of it on my own right and so for me to know what works like I don't have those other voices to like bring other perspectives in in a lot of ways unless I'm working with a coach right they can like yep. maybe cut some of that out but so he absolutely one of the uh one of the phrases that he kind of instilled in me that has really helped is it's kind of funny, but it's ready, fire, aim. Yep. And (laughs) so like the minute you've got some semblance of an idea, start working it. And then, like you said, use that after action report or like, you know, maybe it's give it 30 days, right. Or maybe, or like give yourself a a time frame to work on it. And whether it's 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it is, then when that time frames up, come back what worked what didn't if none of it works scrap the whole thing we're starting over right but there chances are there's going to be pieces of whatever you're doing that were good and how do you take those it's like the bruce lee approach like take take what's good discard what's what's bad and then add in the uniqueness part and yeah i mean if you if you missed it completely then maybe you should have been a little bit more educated on what you were doing Um, yeah there is like but a little bit of planning that is required but you know (laughs) well i also think you know the opposite of what i was saying earlier and you were kind of hinting at it um a lot of people don't give themselves enough time for plans to develop yeah it's like it's like oh you started working out you know eight days ago and you're not seeing physical changes well (laughs) (laughs) obviously, you know, but, but that's, but that's, you know, our attention span is less than a goldfish these days. And if something doesn't happen, like immediately we're, you know, we're frazzled. We want to change the plan and we know this isn't working and what are we doing? You know, I mean, like, here's some, here's some honesty here. We we're launching a new barbecue restaurant, um, probably at the end of this month and it's going to be great. We're, We're super stoked about it, but we started a Thursday night concert series last night. Um, had an incredible band did, you know, did food sampling and all that. And it was a complete disaster, <laughs> like top to bottom. And, you know, we're pretty good at executing, but it was just not good. Yeah. Um, didn't have the crowd, nearly the crowd we wanted. Didn't get promoted early enough. Had some issues with food getting out. Just like, all. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that's why we do these things. Yeah. But it was a pretty poor showing uh, for, and, and it's all, it's all my fault. Um, I'll take that. But a lot of the times in the past when we were less experienced, we would have said, Oh, well, this isn't going to work. So we're not doing it next week. Right. You know, Oh, we, we wasted money. Like this is a terrible idea. Um, obviously as you grow and mature and realize that it does take time for things to develop and, mm-hmm. and you have to put a lot of attention and time into people specifically in anything 
like what we're doing, which is kind of promoting something because there's so much noise out there these days that Mm -hmm. it just takes consistency over time, doing it well, you know, over and over and over again. Um, And so, you know, guess what? Next Thursday, going to do the same thing. Next Thursday, going to do the same thing. Next Thursday, going to do the, and probably by about the time that it's over, that's when it's actually going to be. (laughs) That's when you got to figure it out. "Ah, Damn. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to say two things um, that you touched on uh, and, and the, kind of leading up to this podcast, mm-hmm. um, you're, you, this is like the most professional way I've ever seen this done. So kudos <laughs> to you and the guy that produces it. I mean, it's, I was like, wow. Okay. I mean, we got a calendar right. invite, we got a link, we got this awesome nice. little software here. So um, make it look like epic. I know what I'm doing anyways. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Hey, <laughs> you know, fake it, fake it till you make it. Right. Um, but have a plan and actually try to learn something yeah. about it. Um, but the second thing you said there, and, and it's, you know, obviously it's, you're a coach, so this is this falls right in there. But mm-hmm. when you are trying, like everyone needs a coach mm-hmm. in anything that they do, and, and I'll just start with that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in business and you're starting out, you need a coach. Mm-hmm. Find a coach. Find someone who's been somewhat successful in that thing. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to stay fit and healthy, find a coach. A lot of gyms you know, especially CrossFit or whatever, they have coaches there. So mm-hmm. you can kind of talk with them. They give you programming, um, but it's still not like for you, right? right? So find someone like yourself that's going to take time, take intention, focus on who you are, look at your body type, look how you respond. They're going to give you specific programming. They're going to see how you respond. You're going to adjust and plan and act around that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, babies don't come with a, with a, with a manual, right? So if you're going to have a kid, maybe reach out to your parents, maybe reach out to her parents, maybe reach out to your grandparents, maybe reach out Mm -hmm. to your friends that have kids, like try to get that information, get on YouTube, read like all that stuff. If you're starting a new business, right? Find five people in your area, in your network, you know, the whole six degrees of separation, right? All of us know Jeff Bezos, right? That's an (laughs) extreme, that's an extreme example. Um, But the point being is that, this thing right here has almost all of the information like in the world in it. Yeah. You know, this phone right here yep. and, and take the time to actually yeah. research and, and find a coach. I mean, that's social media has a lot of really, really bad parts to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't have to go into those, but there's an amazing opportunity to find people like us. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we literally have connected. I mean, obviously we got to connect in person, mm-hmm. but staying in touch through social media, yeah. um, you know, and, and if I could give a word of advice to people, delete all those shit people that you're following, <laughs> delete yeah, them, stop following them. If it's, if you look at something and it makes you go, mm, delete them. Like it's yep. your account. You don't have to follow anyway. If you got somebody that's, you know, chirping on your account, block them. Like it's stupid. This is yours. Like, yeah. don't, like, don't put that negativity. And on the opposite side of that, find people that are inspirational. Find people mm-hmm. that are interested in the same things you are. Find people that have a skill that you want. Find people that are doing something that you want to do. You're working at a job that you don't really love, but it's paying the bills, but you have an idea for a business that you want to pursue. Follow people that are doing that business, yeah. right? There's, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of good to that. And, and you can DM anyone on the planet. Now, it's kind of ridiculous not, when you I don't know when you think about that. Uh because I can DM like 
Courtney Kardashian or Donald Trump or yeah, you know, I like, mean anyone like at any time. But like That's doing crazy. this, like, and I've really come to realize that doing this show, uh, like, I mean, you 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 know that people respond, but it's just kind of crazy. Like, all it takes is just asking or yeah. reaching out, and and most people are stop themselves before they even do that because they're afraid like well what if they say no it's like well what so what then <laughs> well, what if they <laughs> like, say yes like you didn't know them anyways you know yeah. like if you know like with some of these because uh, i've made some big guest at, like asks on this mm-hmm. thing and you know half of them i don't ever get even a reply mm-hmm. and it's like i that's not surprising to me in the least i've got yep. like you know in terms of social media presence massively small you know, yeah. and like the show's three months old. And so there's like some of these big people, like, why would I waste my time? And like, I get it. But what's the off chance? Like I, I reached out to like before, I mean, the show was maybe only like a week old mm-hmm. and I reached out to Jack Carr yeah. uh, because it was, I right saw around, that and I was, it was like, it was right around the time that the new book was coming out. And so I'm like, well, yeah. he's doing all these press tours. Like, you know, maybe he just wants to get on as many yeah. things yeah. as he can. And he messaged me back like within the hour and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, here's my publicist email, like set him, like email him and set him up. And we set up for like three weeks later and it was just like, epic. what's the, what, how does that even, yeah. so like with that one specifically, and then you talk about like all the degrees of separation between people, I kind of make the joke, but it's kind of crazy when you think about it in the, the industry that I'm in, I'm literally from him, two moves from Arnold oh, yeah. because he is working with Pratt on this new show yeah. for his book. And Who's Arnold is Pratt's father to his daughter. So I'm like, okay, that just kind of like tripped me out. But like, that's the whole point of you never know until you actually go. And that's the action point of, yep. point of it, right? Like that's, that's just doing something. Yep. Well, I, and I, two things there, right? We talked earlier about these concentric circles, right? Mm-hmm. You're just growing this network through friends, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna post this podcast. I'm gonna share it on my network. Mm-hmm. There's people that I'm friends with that are gonna look at this. They're gonna hopefully come on, guys, listen to it, right? Yeah, they're gonna <laughs> listen to it. Um, you know, they're gonna see it, but they're gonna see who you are. They're gonna start yeah. following. You know, and and you just do that over and over and over. Yeah, 30, 40, 50 percent. I don't know how many are gonna mm-hmm. you know follow you for a week or two and be like, eh, this guy isn't for me. But yeah. the fifty percent that do stay, right? And mm-hmm. you start developing relationships with those people. I mean, that's how it works. I mean, it's 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 not rocket science. It's just effort. And then another thing you said, mm-hmm. one thing that we coach and teach our people all the time is the difference between action and motion. Mm. Right? A lot of people are in motion, but they aren't in action. Motion is just doing stuff that are that's on a list, knocking off tasks. Uh, motion is action is action has a a response. Mm. So when you when you do something that is an action, there is a response from it. There is a follow-up. There is a, you know, you're actually moving yourself toward, towards your goals. Um, I, you know, that's, that's kind of called the busy trap, right? Yeah. People are like, oh, I got all this stuff going on, blah, 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 blah. And then you start auditing their list and what's on their plate. And you're like, okay, that's, take that off, take that yeah. off, take that off. Delegate that, delegate that, automate that, right? El- delegate, automate, eliminate. We say that like, Look at your plate, like every month at least, and under, like what are the things that you're doing that are stupid? You know, what are the things that you're doing that don't make sense? Oh, that hour of TV you watched, you don't have enough time to get this done, but you yeah. spent an hour watching TV. Yeah, maybe you did. You know, maybe you didn't. Who knows? But um, that's the time thing is one of the like such a funny thing because all the people that would say that if if I were have, able to have say, more time, 
Well, and it's not even that, but like they say, I don't have time to do this. And then it's like, okay, well, open up your phone and go to your weekly usage report on your phone. Like that's oh, an easy thing yeah. to go to. Oh, right? yeah. And like it makes, I was just talking about this on one of our coaching calls last night. Like it makes me sick sometimes seeing mine. Uh, oh, same. You know what I mean? And it's like. 100%. I mean, I'm when, I'm a marketing I mean, I'm the chief marketing officer, yeah. so I spend an exorbitant amount of time on social media, but it still makes me nauseated. Like when I get the report on, I guess it comes Sunday or Monday, it's like, Sundays, your yeah. usage was down 18%. I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. exactly. Thank exactly. God. When it Thank says God. it goes up, I'm like, oh yeah. gosh, but you know, then, then you can open it up and it literally tells you, and then it'll break it down. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't done this, like go to your oh, yeah. settings, go to, I think it's in the battery section if you have an iPhone and then go to like your usage report and it'll break it down by apps. And it'll say, like, which apps you spend the most time on. And people are like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, well, pull it up. You spent three and a half hours yesterday on Instagram. Like yeah, 52% of your phone battery has been spent on Instagram. It's like, <laughs> yeah. maybe. It's like, well, I mean, this isn't that hard of an equation to figure out. No. Like, you could cut out a third of that and still spend a ridiculous amount of time on Instagram and get massively amounts of stuff more done. You know, I mean, absolutely. It's, that self-awareness piece of it is where right. the whole thing lies, though. Anytime that I hear people say, I don't have enough time, I just say, hey, why don't you look up Tony Robbins' routine and tell me you don't have any enough time. Any of those, like, like Elon yeah. and any of those guys. Elon's schedule is bananas. Like, I, it's, it's I don't like know how he, 14 no. hours a day, seven yeah. days a week. And it's, he's, he, he, what's crazy is, you know, there's a lot of people that own a lot of companies. Um, they don't actually run those companies, right? Yeah. They either sit on a board or they come in for major decisions or whatever, but they hire CEOs, CMOs, and they're like the president or whatever. He is the CEO making, you know, the big decisions across all of well, his organizations. And he's like involved in the science yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he like, is the scientist by like doing the equations, like yeah. writing the code. It's like, <laughs> it's like dude, you're just a machine. A computer. <laughs> he, well, well, he might actually be a machine. <laughs> he might be a machine. Well, he might be a cyborg. Speaking of Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yes. Uh, so but, um, I, I want to ask you about the like organizational stuff that you guys have because you've got lots of things, and it's yeah. funny because I say you have lots of things going on. Your website's literally called Jamie Doing Things. Which yeah. is hilarious because yeah. it's like going, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't going, figure out what to name it. it. You go and you read yeah. it, and there's like a hundred things on there, and you're like, "That's yeah. a pretty perfect name." So, is it all restaurant service industry type oriented things? No, no. So I, I was actually talking with my buddy Baker Levitt um, yesterday, and we were talking about how I have such an issue of just cramming my plate entirely too full. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, that's the way you live life. That way you don't miss out on anything. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's the truth. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you do, you got something else that you're doing. So it doesn't matter. But, um, no, I, uh, so primarily restaurant, mm-hmm. um, bo- uh, restaurant and bar business. Uh, we've got four We're opening up two more this year. Uh, and they're like three months apart from each other. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just be as busy as possible. Um, <laughs> Got to catch up on have, everything you missed last year. Yeah, yeah okay, we're trying. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, and then we've got uh, we're partners in Killcliff, um, which is the the beverage company. Yep. That's how I know GW when I work there. Yep. Um, I have a IV concept, so IV therapy called Thrive Total mm. Wellness. Um, it started off as IV, but we're adding in other additional recovery uh, stuff. Like we just got. Um, Therabody guns and boots mm. 
Uh, so people can come in as they're getting an IV. They can put those on. You set it for 60 yeah. minutes and, and, and recover your legs incredibly quickly. Those things are amazing. Yeah, they are. Um, we're going to add sauna. We're going to add um, um, massage. We're going to add uh, a couple other things that we're working on. Actually working with Thorn. Um, oh, nice. To put together a tailored uh, program for like what we offer. So for mm. example, if, if you come in and you're chronically dehydrated and low energy, then we'll, we have vitamins that we infuse into the IVs and you can do that once, twice, three, four times, you know, every week, but then also tailoring that to have oral supplementation to go alongside that, um, is really going to keep yeah. like, it's going to keep the fire hot. Like yeah. you're going to, you're going to know what's going on. And so, um, that's going to be a, net, a thing come down the pipe. We're pretty stoked about. Um, and we've got some additional therapies that we're about to start adding in, um, trying to stay like on the science forward edge mm-hmm. of this stuff. Um, you know, I, I do luckily think that society as a whole is if they're not taking action, they're at least saying, Hey, you know, we, probably have a problem with yeah. our obesity issue in this country hopefully um, that's where it is right now yeah um, hopefully hopefully people are at least seeing it right first step yeah. is just admitting there's a problem and then we can start taking steps to fixing it and um you know so that's that's a big thing um and then we've got the hunter recruitment project yeah. uh which is which is the big thing that um is i'm gearing up right now so you know deer season's coming around the corner very quickly um and that's that's a charity. So that's a nonprofit that we started uh, about. I mean, I've been doing it kind of my whole life, but we actually formulated a nonprofit last year. Um, had our first official two official events last year. We've had two events this year. One was a fly fishing up in <clears throat> the Nantahala, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, and then we did a summer kind of work camp uh, event where we had people showing them the actual ins and outs of. You know, how do you clear land? How do you plant food plots? Mm. How do you hang deer stands? Um, how do you mount, you know, a, a scope on a rifle? How do you shoot properly? Um, we actually had a, a guy come in who is a world-class trapper to show people how to trap and That's predator cool. control and all that. It, it was badass. And I, I mean, I've, cool. I grew up in this stuff. I've, I've trapped um, mostly beavers because of the, we have so much water yeah. where we are. They wreak havoc. Um but it was like a four hour and he didn't even cover like, he was like, man, I didn't even cover like 20% of it. You know? <laughs> I mean, I was just like taking notes on my phone the whole time. Like, damn, like this is awesome. Um, Cause it's, it's a science, it's an art and a science, yeah. but um, yeah, that's our, that's uh that's the big thing kind of coming down the pipe. And we're, we're, you know, obviously working on really trying to grow that audience and, and put mm-hmm. people um, in the woods. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, I've always been in the woods. Uh, I took a break when I went to college and realized something was deeply missing in my life and and it turned out that that was that was part of it so um you know there's tons of programs now helping vets get in the outdoors and it's all because there's you know there is science but just anecdotally if you've ever you know if you didn't grow up going out in the woods and you go walk in the forest for 30 minutes you Mm -hmm. can tell me that it doesn't make you feel better then yeah you're you're not something's not right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have other things we need to talk about yeah um and you guys with the hunt recruitment project um do it in a and just from the event that you guys did it live was it was it this winter or was it in the fall 
you guys did yeah, last so we, year? We, yeah, we did one in the fall and one in the winter. Okay, yeah. so but but what I thought was really cool about what you do is like the whole point is your the whole point of it is to bring people in who haven't had this exposure into Absolutely. this world. But then you like you know you have all of these mentors there that are there to teach you, like you said, the things that are kind of the basic knowledge. But yep. unless you've got a mentor or somebody mm-hmm. telling you like. That I mean, it goes back to having a coach. It's the yep, same thing. You gotta have a coach. Like 100%. it's it's just giving you the basic knowledge to be able to. This is where you start from. Now we can yep. move forward. So so there's a there again with that kind of health like awakening maybe going on. I think people have realized that maybe our food system isn't like the best that it could be, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people that reach out to me. In it, in it being in the Atlanta market, I've had a ton, you know, two, three, four, five years ago, I've had so many people reach out to me like, hey, like, I don't really like the idea of killing a deer, but, you know, if you have any extra venison, I'll pay for it because I know where it's coming from. I know how good it is. You know, I've just had a kid. I want them to eat healthy food, you know, and, and I, look, obviously our food supply system is the best in the world probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, just got to buy the right stuff. But, right. um you know, our whole goal is to not just take people on a hunt and say, all right, you did good. Bye. Right. So our whole goal is to have this hands-on mentor mentee approach so that we're actually like, we, we've talked, um, you know, critical care. So out in the woods, we talk critical care. We talk how to hang a stand. And this was even last year, how to hang a stand, how to shoot a rifle, um, how to track a deer, you know, how to clean and butcher your animal. Um, you know, just all these things that many, many programs, and they're all still good, but many programs uh, that I see, it's just like, hey, show up here at this time at 5 a.m. We're going to go get in the deer stand. We're going to shoot a deer, and then we're going to, you know, process it, and, you know, good job. Um, And and while that's better than nothing, um, the the opportunity I see is to, one, develop relationships – these mentor-mentee relationships. I mean, we still have text threads that are going on from back then that we're still texting each other on. That's cool. So, so say you come on an event, right? Mm-hmm. And say that I'm pairing you with, you know, we we've, we've had it's military focus. We're not sure. we're not all military. Um, something that's super important to me. Um, support military, specifically veterans. Yeah. Um, so we got like a steel sniper paired with you, right? You're gonna sit in this stand for two, three, four hours at the time, mm-hmm. not only are you getting to know that person, you're getting to share stories, but you're getting to learn like a tremendous amount about hunting, a tremendous amount about long range shooting. And then afterwards, you know, when you're back in your home state the next season and you're trying to figure out like, all right, what in the world do I need to do? Not only do you have that mentor that you're paired with, but you've got the whole group because it's, you know, it's not like sectioned off. We're building right you know, groups that after each one of these events, there should be like a collective, you know, emotional connection between everyone, but you've got me, you've got Baker, you've got a, a, a other guy, Michael, that helps us um, do all this stuff. And, you know, we're creating a community of people that are being taught the right way to. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I haven't mentioned that as much because I don't like to like, I'm not slinging mud. I'm not saying that I'm better or whatever, but there are definitely right and wrong ways to introduce people into the outdoors community. And unfortunately, you know, I grew up in South Georgia. Um, 
I saw a lot of people that were introduced the wrong way, whether mm-hmm. it's night hunting, whether it's shooting from the road, whether it's poaching. I mean, all kind of stuff. I've seen it, you know, and you know, for me, it's a, there's a great respect for the animal and there's a great respect for the entire process. Um, and so that's something that we're trying to instill in everyone too. Um, so, so again, it's not just, you know, come and shoot an animal cool. It's let's learn about these animals. Let's learn how they live. Let's learn how they eat, where they bed, where they sleep. You know, let's, let's actually put our time and energy into the species. Um, you know, and, and I don't know how much you have or have not hunted, but you know, when you buy licenses, when you buy ammo, when you buy guns, all that's the tax on that goes into conservation. So every dollar that we can generate into that goes back into the land. It goes back into research. You know, right now in Georgia, we're having a tremendous problem with our turkey population Um, caused by like all the bad things for turkeys are happening all at once. And it's really creating a a massive amount of issues. But like through the University of Georgia, where I went to school, go dogs, um, there's, you know, we the wild turkey doc is on Instagram. And if you have any interest, I would give him a follow. Mm -hmm. Um, His last name's Chambers. Uh, Can't remember his first name right now. But um, he is like the preeminent doc on turkey populations and you know he's funded through grants to the university of georgia through conservation dollars right so um i mean partially right not not wholly but um you know it's like that's a direct correlation if you follow the account uh, blood origins they are constantly putting out these graphics and they're not the only ones but they're constantly putting out these graphics like hey 1920s this was the population 1950s this was the populations today and it's just like significant exponential growth uh, because when you put a price on something it becomes a commodity and commodities are protected yeah i mean you can take that to the hunting in africa which is such a big hot spot but if you didn't have it you wouldn't have a lot of these species i mean personally i think you know it's they are protected because there is a value yes placed on them you know the and you think too, I mean, your target market for this is when you're talking about like the wrong way and the right way to do this, right? It's even more important because your target market is not existing hunters that have been doing it their whole life, right? Yep. Right. Like it's people who are re- recognizing, like you said, that this is something that's valuable for uh, my environment. This is valuable for my health and my the, my food. And so a lot of times you're probably getting people who were pretty anti-hunting at some point, you know, in their life. And so if you do it wrong, like (laughs) it's going to even further remove them from this. And then it's just going to blow up from there because of what they're going to report outwards. And so when you say like, because, you know, methods is one thing, like because everybody's got different methods, but the principles behind what you're doing like there absolutely is a right and wrong still it's not all this subjective stuff all the time no yeah 100 percent. and we've actually got uh some pretty exciting people coming down to hunt this year um i can't really give any details but (laughs) i will say that there are a few anti-hunters nice because we want to just introduce and and they're and and here's the beautiful thing is that if we can just be people for a minute and stop all of our labels and walls and bullshit ego and just have a conversation, like we're not far apart from each other. And the fact that these people are willing to go, okay, this is not something I'm cool with, but I want to see, you know, I want to see what this is about. That yeah. is, that's how we progress as a society, not standing on 
opposite sides and yelling obscenities at each, at each other. So it's like maybe they're not just a bunch of cold-blooded murderers that like everybody paints hunters as when you're in the anti-community. You know? 100%. Well, I mean, and they have good ammo. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of dumbasses on social media, yeah. for one. There's also a lot of really poorly filmed television that was on, you know, yes. an unnamed couple of channels for 30 years. Yeah, long that's time. Like, it's like, hey, you know, we're here in Nebraska. And then the next, it's like, oh, it's the first morning. Flunk. Whoa, look at this animal. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. For, hold on a second. <laughs> Let's rewind here. Uh, the seven days that they were filming, plus the 20 or 30 days worth of scouting they put into that, plus the $20,000, $30,000 worth of feed yeah. and nutrition and food plots and predator control and all of that that went into the production of this is not part of the study. And luckily, you're starting to see that transition from just like a big buck hunter video game to storytelling associated with the process. Now, I think that it can probably go a little too far. um, And there are definitely some social media accounts out there that do a really good job of uh, (laughs) catching those people and, Mm -hmm. and kind of shouting them out on social media. Um, But, but that can also go too far. You know, it's like, I really hate the whole idea um, that a lot of anti-hunters have about what and who hunters are. I mean, I'm like, you know, I've got a very minimal amount of social media influence, like minuscule, and I still get hammered by anti-hunters. Luckily, Instagram has changed their, you know, their anti-bullying or harassment or whatever to automatically eliminate those because for the first couple of years I had to delete them all myself, you know? Um, and, and you can tell, you know, in the response, it's mostly just ignorance. They just don't yep. understand what, what is actually going on. They, they don't understand that this property that we're killing does at has about three times too many animals. And so you're seeing firsthand health issues. You're seeing immune issues. You're seeing growth issues. You're seeing deformity issues. Like I've never seen before, you know, mm-hmm. and in the last two years we've cleaned up this population and you know we're spending fifteen thousand dollars just on a population assessment every year. Mm-hmm. So they come in with all these cameras. They put a camera up every hundred acres, and they you know or I think it's a lot more than that. It's like every I think I don't I don't know exactly, but you know they're putting up forty and fifty and sixty cameras. They're getting all these photos. They're cataloging these deer. They're looking at the health of them. They're looking at the age. You know that takes a lot of time and attention. Yeah. You know, and if you care that much about it. Um, I think the argument is very hard on the other side of like, you're just a cold blooded killer. Right. It just doesn't make sense at that point. It's like, so yeah, it's because you care about it. And, and the other thing too, is that there's, and it's because of the way that it is portrayed on social media and in those videos. Cause you talked about like in that, in some of those videos, that's not also because some of them that are the, probably the worst offenders aren't even showing the hunts that they got skunked. Oh, you know, which is, which, which is the majority. Is most of them. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to remember the saying, I, I can't remember who I heard it from. I'm sure it's like pretty common, but it's like 10% of the hunters kill 90% of the animals. Oh yeah. And it's like, there's skill. There's the, a the lot of skill. Majority of people end up animalless every oh. year. Like the well, vast I mean, I, majority. Most of the I've guys that are in the 10% like go back and get another. Cause they know what to do. Yeah. Like it's, so it's even more, than the ten, you know so the ninety percent or whatever. Yeah, that's me is, with elk hunting. I've been to yeah. Idaho four times now, elk hunting, and haven't shot one. 
right. either. So the $700 <laughs> tags that I bought, you know, yep. that's going straight to conservation. There was <laughs> no cost associated with that. You know, there's no animal. <laughs> you might like, as well just stayed home and wrote a check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, tag soup is, yep. is a, is a hard meal to eat. Um, but you know, you put me in the whitetail population and give yeah. me a couple months, I can get it figured out pretty well. But you know, uh, look, if I'm going to sit here and say that, you know, the point of hunting isn't to kill an animal, then right. I'm lying. Um, but last night, by the way, last night I had venison sloppy joes, which is the first time I've ever had a venison sloppy joe, and it was phenomenal. Um, but, you know, I've got actually not a lot. I'm down to uh, probably about six or eight steaks left, and mm-hmm. I've got probably four or five pounds of venison left, but I don't buy ground venison. And I, I, I buy chicken and I buy ribeyes and strips yeah, and, and salmon. Um, mm-hmm. All the other protein I eat is venison. Yeah. Um, and whether it's sirloin, whether it's backstrap, whether it's ground, a lot of it's ground. We do mm-hmm. a lot of ground venison. It's, it's easy. It's cheap. It's, it's good. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going hunting, one, because I like to sit outside and accidentally leave my phone in the truck so I don't have to <laughs> yes. answer or talk to anyone or see anything yes. and just being in the tree in the quiet watching you know watching animals I mean it's meditative for me two I like to see what my population's doing I like to see what the animals doing I like to watch animals I like to you know mm-hmm. be part of nature as we're kind of supposed to be yeah. uh, and thirdly you know I want to kill an animal with my bow and I want to take that animal and break it down and I want to eat it because it's good and it's good for me and uh, you know it's like I, the fact that there's you know, an, an argument against that is, is, is foreign to me. Yeah. I mean, I've heard all the arguments. I understand if you're, you're on that side, you know, you have your opinions, I have mine, but hunting to me, you know, people, people ask a lot of times, like, you know, you know, how do you deal with all the, you know, the anti hunters and, 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 you know, what's your answer for that? And for me, it's like, well, I don't get emotional about it. One, it, to me, it's like next to finding a place to lay your head and, procreation and water like killing an animal and eating it or gathering crops and eating them is like what we've done our whole existence you know, existence <laughs> yeah. as homo sapiens and you know before homo sapiens you know i don't remember all the specific names but you know that's that's yeah. what we've done that's what we it's like one of the most natural patterns mm-hmm. there could be um, so I, you know, I'll leave it at that, but you know, it's yeah. just not really a, it's not really a, a, a difficult answer for me. I don't right. you know. Do you have any, uh, so you've got more events coming up this year for it. Are they all yep. down in, uh, Southeastern part of the country? Yeah, we have, um, uh, three at least scheduled for now. Mm-hmm. I just turned in our dates. We've been waiting on that forever so that we can get the dates out. Um, and then we're working on another one in still in the Southeast, but a different state through a guy who's wanting to, you know, just help, help, yeah. uh, help, help the project, you know, and that's, uh, that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, any plans you know, out West? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and reason being, you know, and obviously we will get to out west, but I think what we're going to have to do is stratify the program in three mm-hmm. steps. One's going to be like summer camp work project, like mm. box blind with, you know, full on mentorship focus, like your first animal. The second's going to be a little bit of an elevated experience, maybe um, where we can allow 
you know, someone who has, you know, hunted before the opportunity, you know, maybe they're a reactivation. So we focus on three areas, which was recruitment, reactivation, and then retention. And retention is as important as anyone else. If I'm gaining five hunters every year, but then those five aren't hunting the next year, then we haven't really done a good job, yeah. right? But if I can get five and I can keep two, well, over time, that's going to add up to pretty big numbers. Yeah. Our goal is 35 this year, um, and we've already got some of the people from last year that are reaching out about, you know, hey, I live here. Do you all have any relationships? How can I, you know. Awesome. Um, I had a guy this morning uh, right before we got on sent me an Instagram message. He came to the summer camp. He had hunted before, um, but just got into it. Uh, never killed a deer with his bow. That's what he's That's what he's dialed in on, bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a uh, non-biased weapon hunter so yeah i good. use what's i mean i like to bow hunt for white tail right. that's what i like to do um but you know whatever um just more is, tribalism man that's all it yeah. is yeah oh yeah <laughs> I, i'm better than you because yeah. i use a bow it's like and okay, then even i within, kill, I kill more even, animals because i use a modern firearm yeah. you know and then even and like i'm a bow within, hunter so i can within the bow community too then it gets even uh, more it's like oh now i'm you're, you're i use a stick and string <laughs> yeah re, use reuse only like, <laughs> why don't so you just funny, do it with man. a knife yeah seriously yeah just chase them um, down but, yeah uh <laughs> anyways um he he wrote me a message uh we were putting out we were kind of explaining putting out protein feed and what that does mm-hmm. for the animals. And, and it's a protein blend. So it's got a lot of nutrients and vitamins and all that and stuff that's kind of absent in their diet a lot of time, which really helps with stuff like, especially when you have overpopulation mange, for example, is a, mm. is a bad problem. It's the same type of, I mean, it's a different insect, but it's the same outcome as mange and a dog. And if you've seen a mangy dog, it's not pretty. Yeah. Um, and so we had that because we have super high populations. And so this provides vitamin and nutrients that helps their immune system. It's really an immune system problem is why you get mange, mm-hmm. um, which comes from stress. And stress comes from not having enough nutrients and or mm-hmm. overpopulation and or overpredation and or, you know, extreme weather or whatever affects that, that, that individual deer. Um, and he was just, you know, asking me questions like, well, what was that called? And how do you mix it? And where do you get it from? And can I put it here? And it's just, you know, it's like... 20 questions of, of stuff that yeah sure you could probably find it on the internet i know you can but it's like to be able to just ask someone that it it, it helps tremendously um, yeah and that's the yeah. relationship part of it that you were talking about before like it's 100%. different when you like because there are things that you know you can you can like you said just go to youtube and find it but mm-hmm. if you don't have someone that you know you don't really know if that video that you found is worth the time, hundred percent, you yep, know what I mean? 100%. It's, it's, Oh yeah. It may be more false beneficial. information. <laughs> exactly. It's always going to be more beneficial to have somebody in your life that 100%. you can go to directly instead of, you know, in some cases that's not possible, but like that's, that is really the ideal situation, which is well, the whole point of the mentor the, aspect. hundred percent. When the parallel to, to hunting, kind of what you're talking about is each individual area in the u.s is kind of different and animals act differently well that's Mm -hmm. the same for humans like if you need a coach for health and wellness fitness like you like Mm -hmm. each body is different they respond differently um i was in a tournament uh a couple weeks ago i got my ass beat um (laughs) but was in a jujitsu tournament and brandon was helping me on a weight cut i'll drop down a weight class on purpose to really test myself because i the last one i did was in the the higher weight class and I, i won and so i wanted to you know have medals in different weight classes because i'm an idiot like that and 
I think that's called ego. Um, but just want to test myself. <laughs> Still right? I cool. want to test myself. And um, I didn't meddle. I uh, got destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, he gave me this weight cutting protocol, and it just wasn't working. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, I am somehow not losing any weight. And it's really funny because my body's just acted a little bit different. I have a um, – I'm hypoglycemic. Mm. So my blood sugar works a little funky. I just mm-hmm. have to eat all the time. Um, and one thing I found that that actually works for me is uh, intermittent fasting. Mm, so nice. I don't. I just I just eat lunch and dinner. I don't eat breakfast. Um, but yeah. generally I eat lunch around like 11, 30, 12, and then I eat my big dinner. You know, seven, seven thirty. Yeah. Um, but for some reason that helps with my blood sugar. Uh, apparently, it's yeah. not supposed to. I don't know. Um, but anyways. You know, I couldn't lose weight, couldn't lose weight. And he's, you know, and I was talking to him and he's like, man, kind of weird. He's like, let's try this, you know. Mm-hmm. And he sent me this whole new kind of setup and sure as shit, like yeah. the last three days, just like boom, 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 boom. And continued losing weight after the tournament for two or three days. And right now I'm sitting at the weight that I needed to be at. And I've not been really, I mean, I went through July 4th and did nope. not worry about the diet and I'm still <laughs> the same weight I was the tournament day. So crazy. It, it, it's, it's all individualized. Um, that's one of our biggest approaches. Um, you know, we, we've had people, you know, we, I think we did 19 or 20 just last year, hunters and hunt, huntresses. And, um, every one of them's from a different walk of life. And that's, cool. that's probably the best part. I mean, the best part about it to me is two things watching that person have first time success because yeah. there is every emotion that you could possibly think of that comes and hit and it's just like they're crying they're laughing they're excited they're sad mm-hmm. right they just killed their first animal it's a it's a big animal like it's not like a, a roach or an insect it's a hugely impactful moment mm-hmm. um and you know i want that to be the best experience possible because that's going to determine their their experience moving forward whether they hunt or not or whether they you know how many people they share it with and all that and it's been awesome because we've actually had a hundred six hundred percent success rate and i was i meant to say this earlier but got off on a tangent Mm -hmm. you know the reason why we have these events in the southeast is because our deer populations are so high Mm. that it that you know if we do what we're supposed to do in the off season unless somebody just has a terrible problem with with buck fever and they can't make the shot sure they're gonna shoot a deer yeah we're gonna see a deer you're gonna have an opportunity um and so our goal is 100 percent success it's not always gonna happen we know that that first time it's not gonna happen yeah. again first year but um you know that's why we keep our, our stuff in the southeast um because it's it's definitely a much more controlled environment sure um and then i was talking about the level one level two you know level three would be you know, out West, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully a group of these hunters get together with a mentor yeah, that wants to go on an elk hunt together and they buy yeah. tags in Idaho and those three or four individuals go out and they have their first out West elk hunt. You know, that would be like, we have achieved success. Like yeah. that is, those people are dialed in. Like that's incredible. And hopefully they're calling cool. me like, what do I need for camping? What do I need for yeah. this? And I'm like, well, it's Idaho. So bring your entire closet because <laughs> yeah. I have it's been absolutely, three times in a day. it is the worst man that <laughs> I, I went out there. Like it's like 95 during the day. And then all of a sudden it's 20 degrees at night. It was eight <laughs> out there two years ago. This is no bullshit. It was 88 degrees during the day. Mm-hmm. And the whole time it was supposed to be like 80 and 60. 
mm-hmm. 80 and 60, like perfect weather. So I bring my 55 degree bag. The first night it was 19 degrees. <laughs> I thought I was going to, I've been only one other time have I been colder than that. And that was mm-hmm. when I fell in, a, I was doing a river crossing almost at night camping up in the AT up in the Northwest and mm-hmm. f- fell over, hit, you know, late, tired, all the bad stuff, right? Yep. Fell over and was wet. And of course, I was late getting there. So I didn't put my sleeping bag and my dry bag and yada, yada, yada. Anyways, I had to sleep wet and it was like oh. like 20 degrees. It was, but I was luckily in a tent and enclosed. So they told us, it's, you know, it's going to be 60 degrees. So I set up on a cot. Like, I want that cool breeze blowing. <laughs> I set up by the water. There was a creek running. So that's going to bring the temperature down to like 50. I'm going to be just out cold. I woke up at like 2 a.m and started do, having to do air squats and like i just couldn't see pumping. straight the next morning yeah and i and i get up and i'm sitting there thinking i'm like was it just me or was it really that cold last <laughs> night and i see bert get up he's like probably 30 yards from me he gets up and there's like ice in his beard and I'm <laughs> in like, his beard <laughs> okay it was that cold it was that cold he he like looked at me and he's like oh he's like what was that <laughs> i have no idea um so yeah, That's if you're gonna hunt in Idaho, make sure you bring everything. Bring a bathing suit and bring your yeah. down <laughs> your like out yeah outfit. Um, but no, wild. that would be that would be like if, if I could have like you know if if there's like a, a coup de gras of like we did this, that would be that would be it. That's a cool that's a cool thing to shoot for because then at that point too, like you said, you're able to interact even more with different environments like and and because you know people that come to you guys now might come from those places but it's Mm -hmm. still different having that you know mentor in those places you know uh understanding the different terrain and understanding how to because you know the just the the environment piece of it from where you guys are to where i am i mean that's that could be a, a course in itself like just oh, how to absolutely b- before you even get to the animals at all like just understanding the nature of where you are you know yeah i, I mean <laughs> i don't know if we have enough time for the story um <laughs> we were in idaho and we were stuck in and i'll just make this short we were stuck mm-hmm. in a the, just the worst deepest darkest crap i've ever been in i mean you couldn't walk it, it would take you 20 minutes to go 20 yards i mean it was like wow. literally a minute a yard because it was just i mean you're just climbing over deadfalls like your feet weren't even touching the ground at any moment one of those things lets loose like but that's where the elk were obviously yep, and course. they were they were all over screaming hollering just tearing stuff up i mean i was within 25 to 30 yards from them multiple times and could not i could i could like see brown movement and horns yeah. But not, I mean, I didn't even, I never even, I don't even think I ever even clipped into my bow. Cause it's just like, yeah, there's, there's no opportunity anywhere. Well, we get up to the top of this ridge. We're supposed to go off this ridge. We had a bike set down there, e-bike. So I could pedal up to the truck, bring the truck down. We'd go back to camp. Uh, well, you know, we got like an hour left of sunlight and there's this little clearing, probably like, I don't know, I'd say 300 yards, 250, 300 yards below. I can't, I ranged it, but I can't remember. Maybe it's like 178 yards. Mm-hmm. It was one of those distances that you're like, it's a little further than I want it to be, but it's not crazy. Like that's right. not that far. Well, right. that's what you start telling yourself when you've been hunting for six days and you haven't slept and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
<laughs> and um, and so I'm, you know, we're like, we're going, right? He's yep. there, two of them, and they're fighting, and they're just, I mean, it's like this is the best time to sneak in. We got an hour left to light, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, you know, we're good. Well, anyways, obviously we don't get to the elk. We're down like a hundred yards in this hole. We have to climb out. It's like nine o'clock by the time we get up to the top. We can't find this pathway off the mountain. End up having this, one of the guys rolled his ankle, had oh. to stay on the mountain. It was like 20 degrees with a 20 mile an hour wind. We had our basically hunting like light. I think mm-hmm. I had a fleece and another guy had a fleece in our pack. That's it. You know, no food, no water. Like Ugh. this sucks. You know, I mean, it's not like the worst thing to ever happen to anyone, right. but it's like awful. Right. And then, and then one of our guys opens a tuna pack, and a bear tries to come into camp. And <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure it was a grizzly. Um, I didn't think they told us there weren't any grizzlies in the area, but its head was like three feet wide, Oof. and it was it was brown colored. Yep. And then we found out that a couple days prior, once we got back to civilization, that about 20 miles north of us a guy had been attacked by a grizzly which oh, 20 miles for a bear is is that's is nothing a, it's a morning stroll i mean it's yeah. nothing so um dang that was that's terrifying crazy, the, that was terrifying the i don't know what it is so i've i've never been where there's chance of grizzlies well, neither were we, so just remember yeah. that. <laughs> right. Like, it's supposed to be 100 miles from the nearest right. Like, right. grizzly opportunity. Because a lot of times the ones that end up coming in to the state are the ones that are when you're close to the Montana, Wyoming yeah. part of the so state. So we were right on the Wyoming border. Yeah. But we were south. We were really oh, gotcha. far south below the reservoir, and there oh, okay. was supposed to be no, no bears yeah. there. So, so I was wrong. I've, uh, but I've been in areas where there's tons of black bears. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been in areas where we could, we could see where they were just there recently. Um, yeah. And there's like kind oh, of yeah. you know that you get that kind of heightened sense. Oh yeah, thing like a dog. On. Your hair stands up on exactly. The back you're, you're just like, like okay, yeah. there, there's something around here, right? Um, but the the I'll tell you this. I don't know if you've had this interaction or not, but like the creepiest one for me, like the one that just kind of makes you on edge, right? Hair stands up. So we were sitting. It was the last morning of our hunt we hadn't seen anything the whole time we're just like this is our last day like let's just go back up for a couple hours in the morning to this this spot we had seen before mm-hmm. like let's just glass for a couple hours so we're up there it's like 9 30 in the morning and so we'd already been up there a few hours and all of a sudden we hear a bunch of howling and uh wolves yeah and so oh, we're, yeah. that and ain't so cool we're like all. uh <laughs> We're trying to talk ourselves out of it. We're like, ah, maybe those are just coyotes, right? We're like, there's no chance. Like, we're telling ourselves no. there's no chance. No. But we're still trying to yeah. talk ourselves out of it. And then, I mean, the the ridge coming across from us at like 10 o'clock was maybe 250, between 250 to 300 yards. And mm-hmm. you see coming up over the thing towards us was probably eight or nine of them. And uh, nope. like a couple really dark black ones. Uh, and, and we're just like all, both of us, my, my best friend and I are just at the same time. We're like, Whoa. Okay. Like that's let's one go. of those, that's one of those moments where yep. like, yeah, let's get up out of here. Uh, I mean, we, we oh, yeah. didn't have at that point cause in Idaho you can get wolf tags like crazy. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, so we didn't have any with us. Otherwise that might've been an option, but it was just our last morning and we're just like, Nope, we're not going to mess with these guys. And we get out of there and it's kind of crazy cause we are like in this, on the side of this big bowl area. And down at the bottom, about a mile up, the direction we were heading out mm-hmm. is this guy's ranch where he's got 
all these yeah. horses, all these sheep, mm-hmm. like all this oh, stuff. Sheep. And, I love yeah. sheep. <laughs> and so like one of our buddy's friends works for Fish and Game. And so like, as soon as we got service, we were like, we had to call him because he's like, they know exactly where they are. Yeah. Like they yeah. like they, they know exactly how far away all of that is oh, yeah, over 100%. there. And so I had to call him. And so he's like, I'm glad you guys called us because like we've been trying to find a group that's been in that area. And I'm like, yeah, they're yeah. right here. We dropped a pin. Mm-hmm. But like that being in that area like i don't know the ba- the bears make you a little nervous but well yeah, one bear wolves. like i mean obviously a grizzly is terrifying oh yeah and that's the thing i've been in if that you got two area. or three two or three people with a bear it's like i don't know i feel like i have a lot of chances but yeah. two or three people versus like eight to ten wolves like, <laughs> they're just gonna pick you off and just like tear you apart so i have had a very similar experience we were up in the on the, off the Loxall river uh, kind of near the Loxall Lodge, which is the Montana mm-hmm. Idaho border, and mm-hmm. um, we were we were we were horseback, um, which definitely makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. But we're, we went we we go down this trail and we get into this kind of dead end. That's that there's there's two or three little bowls off of it's kind of on a high point, and all of a sudden we hear wolves howling off to our left, mm-hmm. which is down in this this hole or whatever it's like it what was weird is i don't know what their like howling behavior is really but it was like mid-morning so it was kind of it seemed that to me like same a strange time yeah okay yeah so anyways we're like all right you know we don't you know they're here like look there's gonna be no elk here so let's turn around and go back turn around we're riding back and i'm i'm always again grew up hunting i'm always like scanning for tracks and all this mm-hmm. and i see they were they were trailing us and they had gone around us and were I guess trying to cut us off and so what they were doing I think was communicating where each one of them were because they were about <laughs> like they were gonna like I mean I'm gonna tell myself this they were gonna attack us I mean I'm like freaked out you know I, I can see their fresh wolf prints in our horse prints and oh, and we had also gotten off and walked probably 200 yards from the horses and um, you know. You're like, I, I mean, 200 yards for a wolf versus Nothing. a human to get to the horse to get on the horse. I mean, uh, you're toast. You're, you're toast. You're done. <laughs> you're done. That was no. I, horse so I is exactly gonna leave you behind, about. man. That's the problem. Yeah, horse is gone. They're snapping that bridle and they're out of there. You know, they see a wolf, they're gone, and you're like, okay, we got two dudes with a bow versus eight, <laughs> nine wolves. Like, probably not gonna end well. That's so. Crazy. But yeah. It's, well, yeah, man. I love the hunting story. So how, how long have you been hunting? So I actually uh, got started relatively late in relation to where I grew up and all my friends. Um, I didn't actually start until I got done with college. And for gotcha. no other reason, like I wasn't against it or anything. I was just uh, like with sports and everything in high school and college. Like I just didn't really do it. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a reason why. It was... Um, just wasn't happening um i fished yep. a ton um I, yep. my my dad does steelhead fishing oh yeah up on the big rivers uh so i've been doing that since I, you know i was old enough to hold a license or hold the steelhead mm-hmm. pole because they're yep. huge but yeah. uh but yeah i started after college and my best friend who had who's been hunting his whole life he and i go every year and uh just been mostly just the two of us uh his dad and and them have been super helpful for me as well but they've got some spots we go up north idaho area northeast idaho area but yeah it's Mm -hmm. been fun definitely uh it i got bit by that bug like there wasn't a question 
you know, after the first one, like mm-hmm. sometimes I, oh, yeah. you know, I've heard it can take people like a couple of times and sometimes it's like, you have to wait until you see an animal, right? Yeah. Like then oh, yeah. you, and, but like for me, the first trip, we didn't even see anything. And mm. I was just Did like, Did you hear him just, bugling? Yep. Heard him. And, oh, well, uh, there you go. That's the, and, that's the hook for me. Like, and, and it was kind of, it was kind of funny too, because time of the year we just did a we just did a, a over-the-counter rifle hunt which mm-hmm. is middle of october yep so they've they've wound down a ton by oh, then yeah, but, but just still... even, but just even once in a while yeah. you'd hear a stray one somewhere yep. and it's 100%. just like you know that was that was enough and i was like okay i'm in every year let's let's do this so 100%. it's been getting more and more so it's been you know six ish years six seven years now hell yeah and so it's uh I've got some plans. I, I was going to try and do archery this year, and it's just not going to, I don't think, work out. But So I ended up getting yep. just my normal rifle stuff for this year. But try and make it happen again. Yeah, I've got, I'm getting married in October, and I've got a oh, wedding in September that I have to go to, um, which is it's out of the country, so I'm pretty stoked on it. But, uh, you know, it just awesome. resources and time and all that. So um i'm so trying like five to or six out. years so like five or six years ago this little project would have been like right up my alley right oh yeah 100 <laughs> like yeah. it would have been right for absolutely. me i would have been yeah. target target client absolutely so yeah man we're um we're gearing up um we we've got we've got at least four hunts planned um and we're gonna try to do six hunters per hunt um which puts That's us cool. at 24 in the in the deer um and then we did eight fly fishing so that would be 32 and then we did four for the summer camp um mm-hmm. which isn't a hunting or fishing experience but you know mm-hmm. it's still 36 people that we've kind of brought into the educational components of the outdoors and wildlife and and yeah. all that so it's it's pretty cool man we're that's awesome we're stoked it's uh you know we've had some incredible support um you know, black rifle is kind of the lead in the charge on that and it's something that you know they don't even really talk about um they yeah they they donate a lot of money to a lot of you know conservation efforts without really tooting their own horn. Yeah. Um, Kill, Kill Cliff has helped with us. Uh, Mountain Primal out of Colorado, incredible mm-hmm. beef product. They have, I mean they've they've shown up really really hardcore for every event that we've had. Everly Stock, your mm-hmm. your own out of Idaho. Um, they've jumped both feet in. Really been huge, huge support for us because a lot of people that we have coming, I mean, they don't they don't have like hunting gear, you know, they don't have camouflage, yeah. anything like that. So Everly Stock's been providing a lot of that kind of beginner stuff, um, and they're awesome. they're they're going full force into the into the whitetail space. Um, I believe they have a new pattern coming out uh, oh, cool. for that, um, and so pretty exciting for them. Uh, been friends with that brand for probably four years now and to mm-hmm. see their development is it's incredible man they, they're moving at light speed that yeah. brand is turbocharged pretty awesome sornex uh bert yep. and his his group I have also been, got the shirt on yep yeah <laughs> i saw what you got on it's like oh nice um they've been super supportive of the mission they've uh him brandon have both been mentors you mm-hmm. know sharing liking commenting posting i mean that's that's how we grow this thing is just bring eyeballs totally. to it and and you know, people always kind of ask like, well, how do I help? Well, just following us, liking, sharing our content, but take someone hunting. I mean, yeah. you know, if you've got the land and you've got the, the capacity, um, take someone hunting. I mean, even if it's an elk hunt, you know, and they don't have a tag, um, it's always nice to have an extra set of hands to tote all that meat out one, <laughs> but <laughs> two, sure. you know, giving them that experience of just camping. Like, how do you camp? Like, how do you properly dress or prepare or 
pack your cooler so that you don't, you know, you don't run out of food or it doesn't go spoil or, you know, mm-hmm. any number of things that can go wrong. Um, just expose people to the outdoors. Like, like I said at the very beginning of the call, um, just for me, being outside is, is super meditative and um, it tremendously helps me keep my head on straight with all the things yeah. that we have going on and for sure and um I, I would just say take somebody you know it's where are the uh the link the links for you guys what's the like the instagram handle and that yeah. kind of stuff for it so website is in development um it will be just hunter recruitment project.com mm-hmm. the uh instagram is at hunter recruitment project And that's very easily where you find all of it. It's not the, it's just Hunter Recruitment Project. Yeah. Um, And you can follow along kind of what we're doing. Um, Obviously, the social media usage gets much heavier during events. So um, I think one of our goals is to try and be a little bit more proactive on event weekends so that Mm. people can kind of tune in and see what's going on. So um, naturally we're focused on that during those times where we are posting a lot more in stories or whatnot, but having some lives, uh, putting some, you know, reels out so that people that follow us can kind of get an idea of what we're doing and, you know, maybe having some after action uh, interviews and stuff like that live yeah. where we, you know, say, hey, you know, sit down real quick. You know, let's let's talk about this because that's the best man. You, the amount of emotion you can capture in that For conversation sure. is it's it's outrageous. People are just like, ah, like crazy. <laughs> Talking like, a thousand you know? miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. amazing. So so putting that that out there to, again, let people, you know, have a look under the hood of what this whole culture is about and that you know we said it earlier it's not just a bunch of blood thirsty you know fools out there running around on four wheelers trying to you know scare animals i mean that's like literally the opposite of what we're trying to do so totally um so i think that's going to be a huge opportunity for us this this year especially since we do have things more planned more scheduled more dialed in uh more focused so that's awesome man well, that's a pretty yep. good place to wrap it right there with all that info. Thank you, man, for making the time. Absolutely. That was a blast to, to talk and actually talk even more since yeah. we got yeah, no, a few well, weeks back. Yeah, more more importantly, thank you, man. It's a, it's a huge opportunity to be able to come on and speak something you're passionate about. You know, like my yeah, first man. podcast that I was on about it, you know, I like wrote all these notes down. It's like, you know, <laughs> kind of like. I wouldn't say nervous, but just like, I want to make sure that I, but then I, I, yeah. I don't think I ever looked at the notes once. It's just like, you know, when you're <laughs> passionate about it, you just, just blah, 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 fire blah. in a way. Yep. Exactly. Love, so man. awesome. Well, thank you again, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Have a good Friday.